Howdy humans. I hope you've had a good week. I certainly have. Today, a nice blue sky. Yesterday, not so much. Last night, some storms came through as one of the two or three reasons that I had to upload today rather than yesterday. I hope you'll forgive me. I've already apologized in advance to our guest, and he was totally cool with it. Pretty easy to understand a rough day in the middle of a bunch of good ones, isn't it? Because we all experience those things. So this is an interesting episode from a recording editing standpoint. I'd had some difficulty with my desktop computer a few minutes before I was supposed to record. I was planning to keep all of this season's videos from the Zoom calls for potential upload. And in this particular case, that computer wasn't working. And when I fired up the laptop, I had nothing but a black screen. And Dr. Fambro mentions in our conversation, hey, maybe you left the lens cap on. <laughs> no, no, that's not what happened. That's exactly what happened. I didn't realize that the laptop had a lens cap. So that explains a little bit of the discussion that you hear here in the uh, podcast. But I thought it was fun to leave in a little bit of a uh, banter. This is a good discussion. A lot of uh, history and kind of development of a college percussion professor. And it's interesting to me to hear that path. One of the most fun things I've ever experienced uh, was watching Dr. Fambro explain all this to Steve Smith, the Steve Smith drummer for Journey at a mutual friend's house during a party. Steve Smith is a, an interesting character because he likes to learn. Learning is his favorite. And so he asked uh, the two of us kind of what it took to get to where Dr. Fambro was. Uh, and it was really, really cool to sit and explain that to him as he enjoyed his red beans and rice and collard greens that, you know, things that he typically did not have access to in California or whatever parts of the world he happens to be in at a given time. So you get to hear some of the same story that he told uh, the great Steve Smith. And there's some things in here I didn't know. We've been friends for 20 years and uh, it's some really cool stuff. And then a little bit about the philosophy that he goes into teaching with and everything. It's just a really cool conversation. You'll find that he is warm and inviting and just kind of a general dude, uh, kind of fun to be around. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Dr. Gene Fambro. Dr. Gene Fambro. Hello. Hello. Hey. Are, um, is this is this an audio only thing? Yes. So my question is, should I keep my video on? I mean, I oh, don't that see is you totally up to you. You got like the lens the, cap on. <laughs> uh, that would that would be too easy, actually. Right. It's um, probably your laptop camera. It yeah, undoubtedly. Cool. Now you see a black screen in HD. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely looks better. So we can just kind of jump in and tell us who you are and not just your name and where you work or specifically what you do, but in a, in a larger sense, you know, all those things, but anything you want to share about who you are now? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm a dad. <laughs> um, my day job is I teach percussion here at UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham. This is my 21st year here teaching and I'm really like Every day, every year that passes that I'm still here, I'm, I'm just, I'm even more amazed that they keep me around because my position is not a tenure track position. I don't have tenure. 
Um, and actually, I just like two weeks ago went through another review and uh, they decided to extend me another four year contract. So I'm like, hey, very, very cool. I mean, that's just that we can get into the details about that later. But, you, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And back when I was in high school, I realized, you know, I started playing drums and playing drum set. And at a very early time after I started, you know, probably in ninth grade, I realized that I had a knack for helping people. Like the music notation just made sense when I looked at it. You know, the older people in the drum line would come to me for help. And I just kind of started enjoying that. And when I got to undergrad at University of Georgia, almost within the first couple of weeks, I remember walking into a lesson with my percussion teacher. And then it just dawned on me. And I was like, wait a minute, I could teach drums and percussion at a college well this is just too cool and so like from an early uh, early time in college i kind of set my sights on that and that's what i enjoy doing and i enjoy the playing aspect of it sure but i really enjoy the teaching aspect of it and helping students improve and um, it's a little bit of a cliche but when you see the proverbial light bulb go off and they get something <laughs> no matter how big or how small that's still a kick to me to kind of see that happen. And so anyway, but you know, that's where I am professionally. Um, personally, I've been married for 21 years. So about the same amount of time. We have three kids. Oldest one is about to go off to college in the fall. Middle one is, what is, what is he? 13, he's 13, about to be 14. And then my daughter is 10, about to be 11. And uh, they certainly keep things active and interesting on the home front, but um I don't know. That's just kind of overview. I'm still the silly drumline guy that I was in high school. I mean, I still can't help crack jokes about things and make a little sarcastic comment here or there, or in the middle of rehearsal, if somebody makes me laugh, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> you know, it's just like, because this life is too short to, uh, to not. <laughs> so on uh, the creative side, you are also a published arranger and, and composer. You want to talk a little bit about that, how you got into that, where that started? Um, I mean, I think from a, you know, going back to high school, it, it was really just a matter of me um, experimenting with different things and written rhythms and, and things along that nature. I mean, I, I like I said, the notation kind of made sense to me. So my way of kind of experimenting with things would be sometimes during a academic class, maybe during English or something like that, I maybe would sketch out some ideas and write some solos or some patterns down. And uh, then as soon as I could, I would go to the, you know, when I got to the band room, I'd get my sticks and see if I could play what I wrote. So I kind of experimented with, you know, odd time things and kind of weirder, just little ways to put things together. It wasn't anything really complex, but it was just enough to keep feeding my brain. And then I wrote some things here and there. And actually, uh, this is a neat little tangent, um, but I'm in the process of kind of documenting all of my drumline music that I've written over a long time, 30 years or something. I'm kind of uploading everything onto a website that I'll share eventually when it gets close to being done. Um, but I'm a pack rat and I've kept like solos that I wrote when I was in high school. <laughs> um, and I just dug those out and I was like, man, I gotta see if I could play these again, you know, just for curiosity. And I, I wrote some interesting things. And, um, but, you know, all the way through college, it was just writing snare drum things and battery things and experimenting with that. And um, the first published piece that I wrote was a piece called Three Cycles, um, which actually I just recently bought the rights to it back because I want to find a different publisher. <laughs> um, 
but it's three cycles. Um, I wanted to utilize um, some different elements, but at the time I had like this old um, drum machine. You know, this was 1992. So I had this drum machine that my brother gave me, I think. Uh, and I would just program some things and some weird rhythms in there. And I wanted to make kind of a duet with, uh, originally it was gonna be with drum machine and drum set, I believe. Um, but then I ended up doing something else on drum set for my recital. And I was like, wait, maybe I could do like a marching drum line thing or a you know rudimental thing. So kept going and kept going and it morphed into um, the three cycles and the three cycles are three different movements and they are called then, now, and soon to be. So then is like old style rudimental drumming played on a rope drum. Now is like modern concert snare played on a concert snare drum. And then the soon to be part was with the drum machine and that was played on a marching drum. And I did a bunch of visuals and stick tricks and things like that. And so that was my first little thing. And then it turns out that um, on, on my senior recital, the guy who wrote the drum set piece that I played was there and he helped me get it published through, uh, at the time was collected editions, was uh, owned by Mark Jancich, the timpanist for the, uh, no, timpanist for the Atlanta Symphony, I believe. Yes. For a long time. Um, but anyway, um, so that's kind of how that got started. And then, um, you know, when I started doing some some stuff for, for keyboards, um, it was more like an accident. <laughs> um, I just had this uh, idea of some things that I kind of started noodling around on. There's there's two things that happened right around the same time when I started graduate school, uh, my master's at East Carolina. Um, one was my assistantship. Part of my assistantship was working in the computer lab of the music school. Now they had computers and finale and keyboards uh, hooked up to everything. And I, at that time, I knew nothing about computers. I mean, I literally went to the Dean of Graduate Studies and I was like, look, I mean, I see what you want me to do, but I don't know anything about computers. I don't even know how to turn one on. Mm -hmm. This was 1993. And he was like, well, that's perfect. It'll be a good opportunity for you to learn. And I'm like, oh, great. I see how this is going to go. <laughs> so uh, just sitting down in the computer lab, messing around with um, Finale, teaching myself Finale and how to do things. I wrote a short little corral and then I would write some things and then print it out and then take it up to the practice room later and see if I could play it. So that was the first part of that. And then the other part of that two-part thing <laughs> uh, was just a sticking pattern that, and I tell this to my students all the time in terms of how to write, how to start writing, is to pick something that you're not very good at and write an etude based around that thing. And... Um, so it was a sticking pattern that some that a friend of mine had shown me and I could do like parts of it, but then another part of it, when it came down to that, my hands just didn't work. And so I came up to the keyboard, the marimba one day and just plopped my mouse down. And I played a chord and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool chord. And then I started playing this little pattern. Oh, I see you now. You're on the screen. Well, <laughs> you sort of see me. Yeah. Um, so I started playing this little permutation. Um, and then my hands just mysteriously moved to another chord and then moved back. And then eventually I moved to another chord. And then after, uh, after a couple of minutes, I was like, wait, did I just write something? You know, okay, cool. So I stayed with it and stayed with it. And a couple hours later, I had like two or three minutes or so of, of something. And I was like, okay, I kind of see what's going on. And, and by the end of the 
two, three, four weeks that I was working on that and kind of really fleshed it out, I really uh, developed that sticking pattern to be something that was very easy for me. So I was like, hey, that's a cool way to approach things. Um, so that was that first piece. And then really, you know, since then, it's more um, accidental things that come up. Um, if I play something and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a neat little idea, then I'll, I'll go with it. And if it organically goes somewhere, then great. And if not, that's what it is. Um, the biggest problem with me now is um, <laughs> being able to develop things and having time to kind of sit down and, and develop things the way that would be more natural and would make more sense. In teaching, I just don't have a lot of time to sit down and noodle around with stuff. So anyway, um, that's kind of where I am with that. I mean, the CD that I released was all original music, and that was kind of spurned on by um, Andy Harnsberger. I got a grant fulfillment from the university to record a CD. And then I was asking him, well, what works should I record? Because, you know, all the major stuff has all been recorded. I just need to find some stuff that would be a good addition. And he said, man, you need to write your own stuff. We need more stuff, more original, more contemporary stuff in the literature. So just write, write your own. I was like, okay, cool. So at the time, you know, I had a lot of ideas floating around in my head and uh, that kind of spurned it on. And what I ended up doing was programming a recital and then telling myself, I'm playing all these pieces on that recital, so I have to finish them <laughs> in order to play them right. and, to, and to be ready. Um, and then that following summer, we started, we started recording. So that's kind of, that was my latest uh, big project. The arranging thing, obviously, I do uh, everything every year with, with Drumline. But we're currently doing that Steve Vai piece, uh, Fire Garden Suite. Yeah, um, right. I did an arrangement for percussion ensemble. And we're doing that in the group this semester. <laughs> uh, and that was an interesting story as well. Let me just keep going and tell you about that story. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always been one of my favorite pieces since it came out. Um, and I always just, just listening to the piece, I always was like, this would work really well with a percussion group. So at some point I ended up getting like the guitar transcription <laughs> book, uh, the Steve Vai, you know, from Hal Leonard. Um, and we did a shorter version of it for a smaller group at one point, but I was like, man, we just got to keep, we, we just got to do the whole thing. And um, I got the copyright permission secured from Hal Leonard, and then I started digging in. And this was a little more than 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I started working on it, and I had just gotten, um, I was getting used to virtual drumline, using all that stuff, writing a finale. I was getting better at doing all that. And I just started throwing all these notes in, in the score and just kind of filling it out. And um, as the piece got bigger and more complex and more difficult, my percussion studio here got smaller and smaller. And then eventually I was like, this is I'm never going to do this anytime soon. So I just kind of put it on the back burner and just didn't really think about it. And I've always been like, man, I would love to be able to do that one day. Maybe I'll be able to finish it, but who knows? Uh, so fast forward to pandemic summer of 2020, I enrolled in the composing for percussion seminar with Omar Kamenates. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to take a lesson with him about arranging because he's done a lot of fantastic arrangements for percussion ensemble. And I uh, took a lesson with him and I sent him the file and we talked about it. And I was like, I just need you to tell me if it's if it's way out of control. <laughs> uh, what can I change? What, I'm, I'm just kind of stuck here. And I explained the situation and he just kind of prodded me along. And he's like, man, I think it's fine. You know, uh, make it 
you know, don't be afraid to include some extra things to make it more percussion ensemble like, you know, and I said, well, it's not too long. No, not too long. I mean, that's what the music is. So that's what you, that's what it should be. Sure. And uh, so anyway, I, with his kind of encouragement, I was I was kind of led to finish it out. And um, last fall, I completed it. And, um, you know, in terms of like the first draft, and I felt like we had a big enough and strong enough percussion ensemble to start it. And so that's one of our projects this semester and going, going good so far. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. So uh, you kind of picked up uh, uh, on the, on the biography stuff with, um, with high school, actually, you just kind of started there <laughs> and went. So um, what was little Gene? Why music? Were your parents into music? Oh my gosh. Uh, all that sort of thing. This is a funny story. Um, so one of my best friends in elementary school was a guitarist. He played guitar and he was from Canada. His family was from Canada. And you can see, you can probably guess where this is going. Um, but he got me hooked on Rush because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, he, that's what he, he, he loved it and he was listening to it. And so um, for some reason, I just kind of, my ears gravitated towards the drum part and I could kind of was like, okay, I kind of see what's going on. But really the thing that, that kind of spurned it in a forward direction is that my grandfather, uh, my grandparents lived like literally right around the corner, like two houses over from us. And, uh, my grandfather had gotten into welding and doing metal sculptures and and things like that. Beautiful artwork that he would do and go to these trade shows and, and, and flea markets and, you know, just sell them and, you know, I made tons of money, I'm sure. Um, But I was rummaging in his basement one time, uh, one day, and I found an old symbol. And it had a little crack in it, but it was a symbol. And I picked it up and I was like, I know exactly what this is. This is, this goes to a drum set. Set it to the side, kept rummaging around a little bit more. I found another one. (laughs) And I was like, hold on a second. This is, this is, this is a good day here. So I had two symbols and I kept rummaging around a little bit more. And I didn't find any more symbols, but I did find uh, some copper rods that were about the size of drumsticks. So I got two that were very close in length and size and whatever. And I grabbed those and my two symbols and I walked back home. <laughs> I said, mom, look what I found at grandpa's house. And she just kind of like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so what I would do, what I would, I would take these old symbols and turn them upside down, lay them on the floor, take the little sticks and rough up, like circles on in the carpet and those were my drums and so i would just beat on the floor and smack on these cymbals and that's how i started playing drums and then that was probably seventh grade or something i don't know um you know like now i'm like why didn't i make a note of when this when this was because i didn't know there was i would end up here um but between my eighth i think between my eighth and ninth grade year was when my parents got me my first drum set and uh a <laughs> uh, kid in the neighborhood um, heard me bashing away and he was in the marching band in the drum line. He played snare and he saw me one day. He was like, Hey, you play drums. I said, yeah. Uh, he said, you should come do the marching band. I was like, I don't want to do marching band. That's a bunch of weird people. <laughs> right. uh, but he's like, no, man, it'll you know make your drum set playing better. And uh, I said, really? And he showed me a couple of things and I was like, hmm, okay, cool. I'm sold. Uh, and then I joined the marching band. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. And just told my mom, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do marching band. And she was like, do what? Uh, and then it was literally like from there, every new thing that I saw, 
was like, oh, that's cool too. You know, oh, you can do that? That's cool too. And then um, I just kind of took it and ran with it, I guess. I did a little bit of mallet playing in high school, not that much, just enough to get by. And then when I realized I was going to go into music, I was like, well, I guess I need to, I guess I need to do a little bit more with mallets. And I remember this one time I asked the the, the local, the resident mallet player to uh, help me. Hey, can you help me play some xylophone or something? And so we did. And we had these uh, these little those old sets of bells that had the the note names engraved on them. Uh, a A sharp, C C sharp, sure, D sure. sharp. And I remember looking down at him, going, "Hold on a second. Where are the flats? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. I got it. I know this. Okay, never mind. Forget that question." <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I got to college, and it was like I'm really behind. And then I saw people playing with four mallets, and I was like, "Man, I'm like double behind." And uh, just kind of took with it. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, when my teacher showed me the four mallet grip, it was fairly natural to me. My, my hands didn't fight it that much. And I was like, oh, okay. So the playing part came, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, it came a little bit more naturally in terms of like getting around on the keyboard instrument. But the reading part just took forever for me. So it was very, a very slow and um, tedious effort to kind of learn a marimba solo. Um, but you know, it was literally like I was, I wasn't a great mallet player, but I think my, my strengths in drum set and, and marching snare, you know, kind of carried me through and, and, uh, the rest I was just like, well, I just, I gotta go practice. You know, I just, I gotta get better. I gotta learn this piece. I gotta learn this next piece. I gotta go practice. So that's what I'm going to do. Kept myself out of trouble. <laughs> Uh, and just learned, learned another marimba solo. Yeah. That's actually almost exactly how it happened with me. I walked in there, what was then a copy room, uh, in the, in the, in the old basement band room area, uh, mm-hmm. at Sanford and, and Park said, well, one of these days, uh, pretty soon you're going to be doing some four mallet marimba. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, right? uh. But, you know, when I was for, for me in our little town, it was like boys didn't touch uh, the right. Mallet instruments, right? Exactly. Because, or flute or, or clarinet for that matter. My very first inclination was to play the clarinet. And uh, mm-hmm. that was that was that was a no go. So for me, I just I fell into it that direction. But as far as mallets, it was just I was so behind uh, mm-hmm. where, where all that's concerned. So I, I feel that. So um, moving now closer to today. Mm-hmm. Or not. I mean, you know, the, the answer to this question could be when you're five years old. I don't know. What is right. maybe something that you are the most proud of so far in your life at in, in terms of accomplishments or achievements? Gosh, I don't know. The standard answer would be, hey, this is cool. I released a CD. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know what's what really what i what i love about my position here is that i get to do so many different things and um by the time i get tired of marching band and drumline we can put that stuff away (laughs) and i can focus on teaching i can focus on not that i'm not focused on that in the fall semester but i don't i can kind of compartmentalize that and put it away for a little bit you know back in the days when i was doing more recitals i would you know, play more solo stuff and uh, work on more, you know, recital type literature and things like that. But, you know, I'm really fortunate that I've been able to do um, some different types of things here. Um, 
you know, I, I, for one of my faculty recitals, I put together a rock band. Right. And, and I was like, you know, it just hit, kind of hit me kind of late in the process. Um, not too late, of course, but I was like, I just wasn't digging any of this stuff that I was trying to pick out and I couldn't really find stuff that really spoke to me. And then I was like, well, I really kind of want to get back to my roots of being a drum set player and, and, and at least do something on drum set. And then, I, you know, something made me remember that a couple of the guys in the marching band, uh, we, at that time we had a rhythm section. There was a bass player and a keyboard player. And uh, one practice I came up and they were, they were jamming out on some chili peppers or, or something. And I was like, yeah, man, chili peppers. <laughs> and they like looked at me like, how do you know the chili peppers? And I'm like, come on, you know? And, you know, jokingly they said, yeah, we should get together and jam sometime. And I'm like, um, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and at, at some point somebody mentioned, one of those guys mentioned to me something about, yeah, we should, you, we should get uh, together with um, so-and-so guitar player. You know, he's a huge dream theater fan. He's learned all of, you know, a bunch of stuff and, you know, loves John Petrucci, you know, and I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. You know, that these kids, uh, these younger kids are getting into that stuff and, you know, fast forward a couple of months and I'm struggling to find some stuff for my recital. And all of a sudden I, it, I, I just thought about it. I saw one of them in the hall and I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> you want to put together a band and like put a rock band together and like do a recital? And they were like, yes, of course we do. And so that kind of started. We did all instrumental stuff on that recital. Um, and that was like completely different. You know, I kind of told my chair, I was like, if you ever walk by the office at night and you hear this loud jam session going on, it's me. It's not my students like doing stuff that they're not supposed to be doing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he thought it was great. And, you know, some other faculty thought it was great. And, you know, so that was, you know, one side of, of the experiences that I've had here. But on the flip side of that, the following year, the following academic year, I was the interim director of bands and, you know, was in charge of the marching band. I was in charge of the wind symphony. I got to conduct some pieces that I, you know, always wanted to conduct and um, got to get a break from a break uh, <laughs> from doing the, all the lessons and all the just standard percussion stuff and just didn't even think about that anymore. And I was, working on scholarship letters and scheduling and, you know, hobnobbing with the upper administration because they needed a pet band and whatever, what, you know, so it was like a, just a completely different side of things that I don't normally get to experience. So it's things like that, that kind of really, you know, stick out in my, in my memory. Um, there's other things that kind of have happened, you know, throughout the years, some, you know, good performances, but I think I'm really most pleased that I've been able to have a variety of things. I, I don't, I don't see myself as being known as one thing or the other, you know, but I have a few different things that I've been able to do and I feel good about the way that I've been able to do them. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm sure I could probably come up with some other more specific examples, uh, but I mean, those, those things are kind of bigger landmarks that are very, um, that were very meaningful to me, I guess. To me. And I just happened to think of this, uh, of course, I, I suppose like all drummers or, or, or even this may, may be a larger musician thing, you know, we can sit around and be cynical or snarky about just about anything, uh, mm -hmm. especially if it gets a laugh. Um, but as a general rule, uh, you you have always seemed to be kind of a positive person about 
the things around you and and your own path and whatnot. So I think that's a, a perfectly good answer. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's broader, but that's okay because you're a big picture sort of guy. And and I guess you know I, I just enjoy I, I enjoy music. I wish more people just sat down and enjoyed music. Let's just listen to music. And you know who who doesn't want to listen to music? Who doesn't want to play drums? I mean, come on. If we sure. all played drums, the world would be a better place, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> the world would be a louder place, right? Um. <laughs> there would be no melody, but you know, we'd all have. I don't know. That's just that's the overly positive <laughs> viewpoint of life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go. Let's go then. Uh, not negative, but let's go the opposite direction a little bit. What's okay. uh, what's maybe something that's gotten gotten in your way that you've had to kind of hurdle over over the years? <laughs> uh, I'm currently fighting with carpal tunnel. <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah, um, that that's why I, I mentioned uh, earlier that I'm not kind of actively preparing anything right now. And mm-hmm. um, the last the last recital I did was three years ago. Now, fortunately, in my position, I don't have to do any recitals because uh, I'm not on tenure track. Sure. Um, so anything creative that I do, either research or performing, is like extra credit. So, But the, the last recital I did, I, I did one marimba piece that was kind of hard on my hands. I, I mean, I, I had started having some symptoms back then, um, but I had to choose the rest of my program with my hands in mind (laughs) and so I couldn't do anything that was that that was going to require a lot of extensive practice um and it was nothing that was going to require a lot of time and difficult practice so uh even now you know teaching I I have to kind of you know I find myself I can only play for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. um and that's that's very frustrating. <laughs> you know, I have this list of things. I mean, just sitting on my desk right here of pieces I would like to play, but I'm like, I just, I can't, you know, I don't want to, I, I know that it would be problematic if I was going to start working on them. Um, I am in the process of getting a nerve study done. That's going to happen in May, I think. And, um, just as a, as a first step to kind of discuss the possibility of maybe potentially doing some surgery to alleviate the numbness that happens. I mean, that would be, that would be one thing. Um, I, I mean, not to downplay it. That's the most recent thing that's been probably within the last, you know, five years or so. It's really kind of come up, uh, just been more, uh, uh, more frustrating than, than anything else, because I want to be able to play. I can still function and, and teach what I need to teach, but I would really, <laughs> I would really prefer to be able to get out and do some recitals and show my students that this is what the end product and the end result of hard work can be. But sure, that's you know that's one side of it. On the flip side of it, um, I'm like I don't have that pressure of trying to practice, you know, two or three, four hours a day to get stuff ready, and. Um, I can focus. I have a few more students. Uh, we started a second percussion ensemble this semester. Um, I still have all the basketball band stuff that I have to do. So, I mean, my schedule is full enough, but so now I'm, I'm more like, you know, let me just focus on the teaching, focus on some recruiting and, and do the things that I'm supposed to do a little bit better. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> Did this kind of crop up during the, during that preparation for that marimba piece or have you had problems over the years um gradually 
started, uh, I would say probably 10 years ago is when I first started noticing some things. And like it, it would, it happened like as I would practice, as if I'd be playing marimba, you know, after like an hour or so, you know, I'd feel a little bit of numbness in my pinky. Uh, and I was like, man, that's kind of weird. You know, I just kind of shake them out and just keep going. Um, and then that happened, you know, regularly. And then it would kind of spread to my back two fingers and then all of my fingers and then eventually my hand. Um, and I'd have to do a lot of stretches and things like that. And probably five years ago, six years ago, maybe, I don't know. I started having problems like when I was sleeping and like my hands would, would, it would wake me up because my hands would be numb and, and tingling. And it turns out that, you know, most people don't realize this, but when they sleep, they end up doing things like this or, or like this, you right. know, just kind of and really flexing that, that, uh, the wrist one way or the other. And so I got wrist braces and I sleep with wrist braces. And, um, so now it's to the point to where even those don't help as much as they should. Um, sometimes even still with the braces on, I'll wake up and my hands will be numb. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is just super frustrating. So, yeah. um, you know, some people I've talked to, uh, Harnsberger's is, is one, as a matter of fact, um, he's like, I will never do surgery. You know, he's going to do some exercises and find all kinds of dis different holistic therapies and everything. He bathes in ice and yeah, all, all that stuff for sure. And I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's too much. <laughs> um, but you know, on the flip side of that, um, our clarinet professor here recently had the, the carpal tunnel, um, surgery. She had nothing but great things to say about the guy that did it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I met with him and he's done other people that are in the symphony. And so I'm like, hmm, this guy's got, you know, he knows what, you know, that my hands are like my career. But anyway, yeah, I met with him a couple of months ago and uh, just in the process of getting that, that whole uh, thing consult and all that stuff to see if it's uh, something I want to go through. And, you know, that's where I am with that. But other things that have held me back, you know, it's it, not that this has really held me back, I, I don't suppose. But when I was younger, I, I had the false goal of, man, it'd be great to have my name on a drumstick, you know, <laughs> or to be on. I think Vic Firth will let you do that now. Yeah. Um, surely, since, <laughs> right. since you're in with the innovative guys, they'll let you do that. Yeah, that, no, no problem at all. Um, or, you know, <laughs> like to be on a uh, in a magazine ad or something like that saying, Hey, this is my stick or my drum head or whatever, right. you know? And it's like, that's a, that's a very young type of goal to, to have. And, you know, now I'm like, my, my goal has shift to be like, okay, when, and if, uh, I retire, I mean, of course I'm going to retire, but if I was to retire anytime soon, whenever that happens, you know, what am I going to leave for people? Are, are people going to say, man, you know, I got a lot from him, even though he was, I only played cymbals in the drum line. And, and that's, you know, maybe that's like, I don't know, but it, it's like, um, I, I want to make sure that I leave people happier than, <laughs> than, than when I found them, either, either today or just in their general experiences. And sure. really it, it goes beyond more than drums. You know, he taught me how to play some paradiddles and, you know, he taught me how to think think about this piece a little bit differently. But, you know, just in, in more of a general sense, you know, making people smile and making people laugh and thinking about things a little bit differently. And, I mean, that's uh, – well, I kind of got off track on that one, didn't I? Um. Well, what you, what you did was a, a very good kind of segue into okay. that, that society sort of question. You know, what right. what can you do? And it doesn't even have to be with – you know – 
you're not going to play drums to make the world better. That's right. uh, although we did discuss that earlier. Um, <laughs> but through your through your creativity, be that as a teacher or as a, an artist or composer or, or what have you, what is something that you feel like you can bring to the world to make it better? And I think you just kind of started on that. I mean, obviously the, you know, the sharing of, of joy and the conveying of like ideas and, and things like that. But I think, you know, the direct correlation in music is the aspect of teamwork. Like just before this uh, our percussion ensemble rehearsal, we were doing a marimba quartet and one of the guys wasn't there. <laughs> you know, he messaged me and he's like, I, you know, I need to go get tested for COVID. Okay. Oh, well, so it was three of us and um, I'm like, okay, I've got to make the best of this. And then, so we did, and it, it still kind of brings home, you know, the, the, the point of everybody is together on this and we're working as a team and it's, you know, one part is not more important than any other part. Um, and just, you know, when you just as a practical matter, I guess, um, you know, making everybody realize that, you know, everybody has to pull their own weight in terms of moving equipment, you know, the age old percussionist dilemma. Um, but that's not just for the percussion ensemble concert. That's for everything else. And hopefully that translates into other areas, you know, as we're as we're loading up the truck or unloading of the truck or something like that, and, and someone has a flat tire. Okay, well, we're going to take care of what we need to do, but we also need to make sure that this guy is taken care of and that we're not just going to leave and leave him to his own uh, devices to, to get it figured out. You know, we're going to mm -hmm. stay around and make sure we're helping. And, you know, I don't know, just kind of, um, I guess, the teamwork aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. So... <laughs> I heard an interesting thing earlier today, and I'm going to flip it on flip it on its head a little bit, or it might have been yesterday. It doesn't matter. This person was talking about um, they have a life coach, and their life coach told them that here's what you need to do: you need to go out and to all your friends and say, um, "What do you see when Mike walks in the room?" You know. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to flip that on its head a little bit. What do you? think or hope at least that people see when you walk in a room? <laughs> um, I guess, you know, it's uh, that they don't, well, how about this? How about that they don't feel threatened, that they feel like whatever the case may be, if it's, if they're struggling with some music, if they're struggling with class or life or, you know, whatever that I can hopefully offer if i can't offer a solution then maybe i can offer a different way to look at things and and a way to kind of broaden their horizons you know i always try to make people you know think about the bigger picture you know i always uh every semester not every semester at at certain points i'll we'll have uh, music listening sessions in in our studio class mm -hmm. where i'll either take turns and let them bring in some stuff like you can, you know, pick one song, five minutes or less, bring it in. We'll listen to it. Then they're like, really? We can do that? Because <laughs> I want to I want to see what they listen to. Uh, but at the same time, I also want to expose them to, to some music that I listen to. And um, yeah, nothing you listen to is under five minutes. <laughs> nothing I listen to <laughs> is under five minutes. My son, my son, I had to give him a ride last night uh, over the weekend to work because his car was broken down and song came on you know, and it was 20 minutes and he just like looked at it. He was like, 20 minutes. What is wrong with these people? I'm like, you know, it's just like, just think about it this way. It's four songs stuck together. 
Yeah, they so can't find is. a place to stop. You know, it's not the same thing for 20 minutes. <laughs> My wife doesn't understand that either. She's like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, and, and it's, I, I tell them, you know, that, you know, why do I do that? It's not just to waste time. It's not just to, hey, listen to this cool thing. But it's, it's a matter of, you know, the more influences I bring in from different areas, whether it's different music that I listen to, um, whether it's different wind ensemble pieces that I've conducted, whether it's different Steve Vai arrangements that I've done or um, other of his pieces, you know, where I grab some little elements here and there and whatever, and that becomes part of my language. And the more input that you have, the more likely that some of that is going to be output in like, well, I need to come up with a with a drumline part for this one little marching band arrangement. Well, what's going to sound good? You know, there's a million, million things to choose from, but how do you narrow that down? Well, you have to have that vocabulary to start. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm trying to get my students to understand that, you know, to listen to mute to a whole bunch of different things and to experiment with a whole bunch of different things so that they can, not that they're ever going to use everything because you can't, but just get some more information, get some more, build your vocabulary a little bit more. The comparison I saw was if a um, music is the same 12 notes, um, but can you imagine trying to write a book with the same 12 words? No, <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't work. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's about your, about being able to build all of that and different combinations of things that, that kind of help. And that's not really answering your question about <laughs> what I want to offer people. I don't know. I, I mean, I hope that they, they see a friendly face, somebody that they can come to if, um, if, if they need some help or um, if they know that, oh, you know, Doc's here, he's going to make me laugh at some point, you know, uh, you know, I want, I want to be, I, I never want to be, I never want to teach by intimidation because I've had teachers like that. And I know how that makes you feel as a student. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I've never really thought about that. Well, it's good to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. It's well, um, it's something that yeah, for me personally, although I heard it articulated that specific way yesterday, mm -hmm. um, leaving the branch of the profession I was in and moving into this one, I had to think about that a few times, you know, mm -hmm. and it was in, especially kind of coming where I am now. How are, how are these guys going to see me? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it was a little bit of soul searching. And I think in, in that way, just by necessity, I've had to go through that and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's, it's always interesting to me to see what other people think on that, oh, yeah. that way, you know? For sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I guess a, a more um, direct recent example of that would be yesterday. Um, we had our second percussion ensemble and we rehearsed the, the time slot that I was able to get was at three 30 on Tuesday, Thursday. Mm. And by three 30, I'm kind of tired. I'm ready to like, man, I sure do wish I was like getting my stuff together and getting ready to go home. <laughs> but I've got this, this percussion group and let's start working on this piece. And I'm, wasn't really too jazzed about doing it that day. And I know the piece is a little bit harder and I'm like, okay, I've got to be on it. I've got to be really, you know, I got to get my mind right, and be able to teach. And then, so I came up with a plan. We went in there, we started working on it and then it just kind of snowballed. And then the next thing I know, I look up, I look at the clock and I'm like, there's only five minutes left, you know, and we've gotten a lot done. Hmm. And so I guess I hope that 
enthusiasm, I guess would be a good way to put it. And, you know, let me block out everything else and let's just do what we got to do. And then eventually, you know, as it gets better, you'll enjoy it more. <laughs> um, you know, those are the kinds of things that I hope that, you know, my students understand that, you know, I'm willing to put in time for them. And even if it's what they think is a silly question, or if they don't understand something that they should, I still want to try to help them, you know, sure. Um, uh, that's just, um, it's fun. So, yeah, cool. That yeah. seems like as good a place as any, um, <laughs> to, to wrap it up, parting thoughts, things that people can be looking for you to be doing soon, philosophical meanderings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I can, that would be a whole nother, whole nother episode. Um, now we've got our percussion ensemble concert on April 4th. Um, so we'll be doing that Steve Vai piece, doing a couple of, so I have two percussion ensemble groups. Um, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday group, um, is the larger group. We're doing that Steve Vai piece, a new, I say it's new. It's not really new. Um, Andy Akiho, um, to Walker run in West Harlem. Um, that I knew was going to be a challenge and it's turning out to be a challenge, but it's, I, you know, I told the guys we're doing less things, but they're harder. So I'm challenging you in different ways. Right. Uh, and then we're also doing that marimba quartet. It's Death Wish by uh, Gemma Peacock. Uh, percussion ensembles are all, all going to be on the same concert. So um, it's not two separate concerts. So basically the idea was that I gave myself more rehearsal time, <laughs> you know, right. to, to get through. I wouldn't be as stressed on the concert. And then April 9th, we're having a percussion symposium here on campus. Mark Ford will be here. And then we're going to we're going to do just kind of some clinics and concerts all day. And he's going to do a little master class and it'll be kind of a slash master class slash clinic slash performance. And it'll just kind of bounce back and forth between different things. And so it'll be fun. Um, and then yeah. we got drumline auditions after that and then summer camps. And then before you know it, we'll turn around and it'll be time for band camp again. <laughs> it'll all start again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it never, it never stops. I mean, it's always, as soon as you put them up, it's like, Hey, we got to start planning for next year. And I'm in the process now of trying to finalize like all the audition materials and the exercises and, and things. I like to, I like to rewrite everything, not necessarily from scratch, but at least change things around so that the old guys, you know, still have to work at it. <laughs> they can't just come in and be on autopilot from last year. Right. Um, so I'm trying to get that stuff finished up and, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to, just trying to stay out of trouble. <laughs> um, but like I said, I took, go ahead. I was going to say that's all any of us can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any major like performance play. Well, hold on. I do not performances. I'm going to Carson Newman, um, university college at the beginning of March. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going up there to do a little master class. Uh, work with their students a little bit. Um, and then end of April, um, going out to Colorado State. Eric Collinbeck invited me out there um, mm. to do their percussion ensemble festival. So that's going to be good, you know, get out of get out of the routine here and do some different things and and meet some meet some different students. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm what I'm doing there. No big performances. I'm just going to be doing um, my my clinic on um, mental floss and mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, getting your brain to, to do, to make your hands do different configurations of things, um, basic exercises and turn them and twist them all kinds of different ways. It's not anything that's hard chop wise, you know, uh, flams and cheeses and whatever, whatever, 
um, it's hard mentally to kind of get your head wrapped around what you're supposed to be doing. But all of that boils down to, you know, can I still control how well I play, even if I'm thinking about playing some different things? And that's all that, that's what it comes down to. How well am I playing? <laughs> sure. Sticks, drums are the easiest instrument to make a sound on. Take a stick, hit a thing. Yep. That's, that's what it is. Okay. Um, but just because of that fact, I think it's so easy to create that sound makes it inherently a little bit more difficult to make it a musical sound or to make it better just because the action itself is so straightforward. Too many times we're often only focused on when something should happen instead of also worrying about how it should happen. So I kind of, I talk to my students a lot about that and some of them get it and some of them forget it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of, that's, that's what I'm after these days. Well, there you go. Yep. There you go. Well, all right. I will let you, uh, get home to the fam or whatever you got going on mm -hmm. and uh and i'll do the same thank you for coming on it was it was a uh, it was a blast it was good to hear some things that i didn't know so yeah, we'll talk <laughs> cool. soon all right man thanks bud thanks see you see bye you. See you. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. It was a good conversation, good time, and some interesting nuggets in there. Hope you'll join us next week when we discuss one of my favorite topics of all time, something that I learned from one of my college professors, Dr. Tracy Wiggins. Uh, I'm calling it Always Meet Your Heroes. They're people, too. Some great discussions coming up. It's been a great start to this thing, and it's only getting rolling. I appreciate each and every one of you who come in and listen each week to my discussions, to my ramblings and rants. As always, you can reach me on the Instagram or Facebook at Mike Casey Composer, or you can email me at MikeCaseyComposer at iCloud.com, or visit me on the web at MikeCaseyComposer.com. I hope you have a splendiferous week. Enjoy some time with the people around you, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye.